Welcome to Don't Worry About It with Neeks. And on today's episode, we have a very special, special guest on, um, a good friend of mine, a teammate as well. He's currently living in, uh, in London, taking the semester online at Amherst, but um, <clears throat> playing for a Saturday league team and a Sunday league team. He's involved in the Amherst Fornathon. And um, yeah, welcome, Sean Dubé. Hey, Nico. Thanks for having me. This is yeah. good. Yeah, happy to have you on. Um, yeah. So, as we mentioned, you're <clears throat> currently living in London and, you know, you're taking classes online. So, you're still progressing in your college career. Um, have you, I guess, the, the decision for re-enrollment was like a week ago. Um, have you decided on what you're, um, you're going to do for the spring? Yeah, so... I haven't made a decision yet, but I kind of have like two options that I'm looking at. And so no matter what, I would take classes because I want to, I still want to graduate on time. Um, so it's either I go to campus and do classes from there, or I live off campus um, with like Alex or someone or the team um and then i was really hoping to study abroad in um in scotland at st andrews and potentially play with their soccer team for this semester so uh -huh. it's either school remotely or online or being in scotland is kind of my options and um like the my number one would be to go to Scotland. So if if Amherst does approve study abroad, then that's where I would be. Yeah. Have you uh have you heard about those? All sound pretty viable options and reasonable. I mean, it makes sense that you still want to yeah. <laughs> you value the time of your graduation. But um, what about um? Have you heard anything? about studying abroad you know have, has amherst mentioned anything i haven't seen anything personally well so i've kind of submitted all the forms i need to submit there's like kind of two sides to study abroad there's like amherst and then there's the the, the, the school yeah yeah so um like the application that i've been using to to like talk with the school, um, they have said that like they're full go and that they have students there this fall, um, and it's been working out. And I think they're starting to do online or no in person classes um, very soon, or even for just for next semester. Um, I talked to the soccer coach today. And he said that they're hoping to start uh, games in November. Um, so they'll play from November up until Christmas, and then um, they start again in uh, mid-January. So if I do end up going, and if Amherst uh, says that they will be doing study abroad um, in the spring, then um, – I could be playing games with St. Andrews in 
um, in in January. Yeah, that's exciting. Have um, yeah. I've seen I've seen there's this option of um, taking a class in January. I think um, <clears throat> of uh, I think it counts for a credit um, this time. And uh, are you yeah. are you are you going to do that or no? No, I need to take a break from school <laughs> and um, yeah, I just need to like when I go home, I need to relax and I need to make sure I have everything set before I go to to St Andrews or have everything set for if I have to go to Amherst or go do whatever. But um, I just need this time to take a break. I don't yeah. have like I don't need to take a class like. I just, yeah, I don't need it. So yeah, yeah, you're, you're cut up. Um, that's good. Yeah. I guess that I've heard, I've seen the emails about um, the the one credit classes, and it sounds like it's exhausting. It's yeah. it's like a week's worth per class, basically, and it's like one week is one class session, and so you have to be doing, you know, extra outside of the class, um, be it you know. The homework, the yeah. the extra reading, the studying, the communication with your professors, communication with other students. So that's yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. That a break would be needed for you. Um, yeah. Um, and um, with uh, with regards to kind of um, the off campus situation, like saying if you were going to do uh, remote classes but still be, you know, near Amherst or um, even living in Virginia. What, uh, has there been any updates? I mean, obviously, I guess I'm the one, I'm, I should be seeing the same stuff as you, but I guess if you've reached out at all about any of this stuff or heard back about anything, or maybe your professors have said anything about the, the future that may, I, I probably would not have heard um, going forward. Are we talking about like, like, in the spring. School? Yeah, school wise. Um well I mean I know that so they haven't officially said anything yet, but it it seems like juniors and seniors would get priority and um like I don't know, I guess it's really up to you because just because um, of the restrictions on campus, like, I mean, we heard about it from Declan the other day, like, it's not great, like, you know, you, you have to follow the rules, and they're very strict, and, like, I don't know, like, do you want to be have, having to have delivery food from Val, like, every day, and, like, yeah, it's great to be on campus and stuff, but, I mean, I just don't know if I would pay all that to like not be able to enjoy it you yeah, know what I'm saying? so um i think that i mean it's up to you like there's no pressure to to do anything and um i think we're just kind of waiting to hear from amherst because we don't actually know what the spring's going to be like so yeah we'll we'll see but they have sent out like the uh, registration for courses and yeah yeah um, I saw that we're getting that stuff sorted out so uh-huh. yeah 
Well, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm still decided on coming back to the ranch. I think after talking to having that team talk and hearing what Declan had to say about on campus life, I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm coming back. I'm, I'm going to stay on the ranch. Um, it was a much easier decision for me, especially because I already took this semester off. So if I were to take classes mm-hmm. again, I'd have to graduate in the fall. And that just doesn't sound normal or like a good thing to do. It doesn't, it seems like an overstressful situation, especially because we're going to be in the season. I'm going to be trying to write a thesis and, um, and just graduating in the fall as itself alone is already a pretty weird circumstance. So, that um that kind of solidified my position um in uh in not continue or not taking uh classes in the spring but with regards to like because everything all this so i mean obviously there's the the elf in the room is COVID, <laughs> and that is mm-hmm. that there is it all depends on kind of what happens because a lot of a lot of what i've been hearing and seeing is that the um universities are kind of, and a lot of institutions and a lot of people are making decisions solely based on if there is a, um, <clears throat> a, uh, a cure, a, um, any sort of, yeah, any sort of, vac- yeah, vaccine. And that like, we've been hearing timetables that are, you know, we have no idea if they're actually true or not, but the, um, that kind of seems like they're putting a lot of weight on one decision. And that was kind of why, like when I saw the, <clears throat> that we had to decide if we were going to re-enroll by October 15th, it was like, that's not a lot of time. You know, school starts like September, early September. So it gives you a month and a half of development of time to pass with mm-hmm. when it takes almost, I mean, more than a year for a vaccine to come out. And we kind of have been dealing with this virus for not even a year. So that didn't make a lot of sense in that in reference to that, because again, like going back they're depending on this vaccine. Um, and we don't even know if it might work for everyone because we've now been hearing all these different strands throughout the world that are varying by country or by continent. And so that's, that's kind of making this decision for, for colleges to be able to let you guys let people go abroad or let people be on campus and have situations lighten up. Um, it sucks that Amherst has been so tight about it, but you know, it's working, I guess, I guess it's working, but it seems like it's been, it's been really tough, but I don't know. I mean, I think personally, my decision was kind of based on the fact that like we're paying all this money for school. Um, so I might as well be there. I think taking online classes. Yes. It kind of progresses your, it gets your career in continues kind of get the ball rolling or continues to keep that ball rolling. Um, and it lets you, um, try to learn from another place. You can continue to try to travel be like, like you're doing with in London. But I just, I, from my experience in the spring semester when we had to come home and then take class online, I have, I've never put in less effort into something and done so well as I did um, in online classes. And I think it was, and obviously that's not a reflection of what online classes nowadays are because there's, there's, they've kind of adjusted and they figured out like what works and what doesn't. And they've 
uh, made it a lot harder. And like I was seeing with that whole mammoth day thing where they had, um, they gave people a break because people were, I mean, students needed it. Um, but <clears throat> I just hope, I just hope this continues to improve. The situation can improve um, so that like you get your opportunity to go abroad. That would be so, that sounds sick, you know, going to, going to Scotland and taking class in St. Andrews and playing for a team out in Scotland. I think that that experience would be a lot of fun. And I, um, it sounds like if the thought process is nah, let's just wait until a vaccine comes, then it seems very unreasonable. It seems very unlikely that you'll be able to, um, which is a shame. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't know, if they're already letting students go to St. Andrews and, like, the, like the restrictions aren't even that bad right now in, in, in the town that St. Andrews is in. And they do have very, like, like not strict, but, like, very specific, like, protocol with, like, how to, like, with like the amount of people in the household, like the like mixing households and stuff like that. So I think it's a very easy decision uh-huh. for Amherst in terms of like the actual program that I'm doing. But I don't know if they're delaying it because it might not be fair to other programs that don't that people can't go to. I don't know. That also, makes sense. I don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know what their thought process is yeah. behind it all anyway. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't, I was entirely speculative that there's, <clears throat> that they would decide uh, solely based on the vaccine. But yeah, like the way you made it sound, it sounds like there's, there's a good chance, there's a high likelihood that you can actually um, go. And that would, again, sounds awesome. But um, I, uh, it also definitely, they definitely need to take into account that there are other, study abroad programs that kids would want to take or take advantage of, but wouldn't be able to because of that country's limitations that they have or whatever the current situation with concerning the virus and how they, uh, they've been handling it may be totally different to be at St. Andrews. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's, yeah, that's definitely something to take into account. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. A lot of time can pass between now and and January. I mean, obviously, it's, what, three, two, three months, more or less? I mean, to mid-January, yeah. I guess it's th- or like less than three months now to the start of January. So mm-hmm. that seems like <clears throat> that sounds like a lot of time in the sense of like what we kind of how much information we're taking in each day. Every day we get something new. There's a new change, new development, something happens, but then it ends up not being true or ends up being like so incrementally small that it has, it has like little to no effect on some, on whatever it may be day-to-day life. So I just hope there's a good, there's something good comes from all this. I hope that, um, and I was, I've, I've like talked about this before and other episodes is like, this is a learning experience regarding, viruses um in the reaction that we need to have to viruses and that if this had been a really deadly virus the 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 percentage of deaths was 
you know, significantly higher um, in, in an age group like ours too, from whatever, 20 to 65. That's, uh, that's a huge portion of the population. And if those deaths were incredibly high, then this would have been a shit show. <laughs> this would have been handled terribly because there would be, so if it was like, if you, cause when you see, I mean, when we went back on, when we went home and had that whole lockdown, it was like two months long. It kind of started getting pushed back farther and farther and farther, but people were still not following it. And that was allowing a lot of um, the spreading to happen. So obviously for something like that to fully function, you need full cooperation. And that's, that's always difficult, especially in a free country like this, where you can, um, do whatever the fuck you want. You can, there's rules and there's certain places you can't be, but you don't, you're not forced to stay inside your house. Um, but it, so that kind of, it, it kind of, it's a learning experience in that it could be, okay, if there's a virus just like this, where we, we have an idea, we figure out that there's, there's certain areas of risk that we need to assess and kind of handle. And then we allow for, for, um, the other, the, the kind of the less lower, significantly lower risked people to continue to function in their lives. Um, maybe that's how they learn from this. Maybe, and this is what I've seen a lot of is also like, okay, just stay in your house and don't come out until this is over. And that is terrible. That is terrible for your health physically and mentally because you're just, you're just locking yourself in. And that's kind of what I'm worried about with, um, with regards to like Amherst, I mean, the way they're handling this is so strict it, and it hasn't really loosened up. I mean, I think they just started being able to order food off like off campus or just started yeah. being able to even like try to leave campus. Um, I don't think it's function. I don't think it's working. I don't think you can leave campus still, but like, you can try at least now. Um, and so that, that kind of worries me for if this happens again, which is really likely there, there's a very high likelihood that, another virus comes that we couldn't have foreseen. Um, and it has a totally different effect on society physically that is, um, and it'll have, but it, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how this is going to affect us, you know, going forward handling health, uh, you know, in your, your hygiene or whatever, and your, your understanding of, of, um, of germs and bacteria and how to, you know, handle yourself in public areas and stuff like that. And it seems like some people are very okay with the extremely tight, constantly washing your hands, social distance at all times, wear a mask at all times attitude. And then there's some people that are obviously on the far other side, which is like, this thing isn't going to get me. And then they're not wearing a mask. They're not washing their hands. They're not social distancing. And then there's the people in the middle kind of the vary from on that spectrum of like, I'll wear a mask. I'll wash my hands reasonably. I'll, I'll social distance here and there, but I'm not going to be constantly forcing myself to do these. Um, what seems ridiculous in the moment, but like these ridiculous, these restrictions and measures to avoid something that, is I'm not going to say curable because that's not true because we haven't had a, a vaccine yet, but it's the likelihood of, <clears throat> I mean, obviously we've seen different experiences like with, with Barky and Bernie. I mean, they both had 
they both got it and they both had different experiences with the virus, but obviously they both lived, life went on. They're fine now, they're working, they're out again. Um, so that kind of speaks to like how much risk is there now and why, and kind of like, why are we still so worried? You know, I get that there's a lot of, like I'm working with older people, that makes sense. And there's people that those people are at risk and there's families here at risk. So I'm obviously taking the measures and I'm, I don't really go, I only go get groceries in town now, <clears throat> but for the people that aren't, you know, they live alone, they're in their twenties and they're still forced to stay inside or work online. You know, why, why are they still doing that? Is kind of my question more than anything. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, on that? I mean, I don't know the way I think about it. It's like, like, Okay, yeah, so we're in a pandemic and it's like, this is what's happening is like, the young people are the ones that are, the, that are spreading it, but they're also asymptomatic. So they either get symptoms or they don't get symptoms, but they won't die from it. I think there's been like maybe, I think there's been one COVID death where the, where the, individual was really young i think there's been like one i'm i'm not in sure the world? i'm pretty sure in the world i'm i'm pretty sure there's i'm pretty sure it's higher a, there's been there's been a lot of random young deaths you think so i i because haven't of, really paid attention to that well there's there's like but underlying like, risks and stuff yeah but i, I get what you're saying oh like okay well yeah, i'm yeah i think yeah i mean i think like an entirely healthy person like right i think there's a, a lot of good people like that that are young and they're gonna t- like not care but like realize that like like we can't be selfish like you know we may not be the ones that will die from it but others will and because we're also making the outbreak worse it means that like we have to go into lockdown and then people that are like the generation boris is gonna get kind of like pissed at us because like their businesses and stuff are not gonna be able to last and like no that's true i don't know well i so i've actually been um i was sent this this declaration um it's called the great barrington declaration and there's like it's signed, it's co-signed by medical and public health scientists and medical practitioners around the world. Um, and they've basically, I am looking at it right now cause I've, I've actually signed it because I, I think it's very, it's kind of what, um, I don't know if you saw what like Sweden tried to do with their kind of like the idea of like focused or not, well, this is called, I think it's called like focused protection. Um, and they try to do it more with, letting people, young people out about and everything. But then a lot of the old people started dying and a lot of people underlying health conditions started dying. And that was kind of, um, looking back on it. I mean, I think the, the approach was good, but the way it was executed was not in that it kind of, it, you let people out, but then when they kept the people, the older people and the more people at risk at home, but then they, there was a lot of young people who were living with those people at risk. And so that was, that was a situation there that um, 
that there was kind of they didn't foresee and there wasn't um there wasn't anything they could have done about at that point because they didn't know um but this kind of looks at that and that there's a it's um it's a measure i mean i guess like this measure is that letting people who are low risk young low risk adults should work normally rather than from home um and that's kind of their idea and that having uh people who are vulnerable um <clears throat> to let's see here so they have they have some examples um nursing homes should use staff with acquired immunity and perform frequent pcr testing of other staff and all visitors staff rotation should be minimized which makes total sense because that was kind of a big issue with nursing homes is that they would that it wasn't like it was spreading so easily amongst those people because they weren't, they were kind of doing the regular staff rotation. So people were, there wasn't a, a, a kind of managed um, group of workers that were, that were handling these, these uh, elderly people. Um, I said, retired people living at home should have groceries and other essentials delivered to their home. And when possible, they should meet family members outside rather than inside. Uh, a comprehensive and detailed list. Yeah, they have all these, um, they have approaches to multi-generational households, like kind of the situation I'm in, that can be implemented and is, and is well within the scope and capability of public health professionals. So that's, it's, that's kind of looking at the, like the approach Sweden tried to do. And I don't know if other countries have tried this as well, but now there's even, now that we know more, because when Sweden tried to do this, they didn't, we didn't know much. That was kind of the, that's the whole biggest issue about this whole thing is that we didn't know anything at the start of this virus when it happened. Um, when it first hit, we were like, damn, you know, 1.5 million or people are going to die. That was kind of, I think it was like the Washington Post said or something. And now we know a lot more. We know that it spreads ridiculously fast. And we know that we know that, who is highest at risk? And now there just needs to be more of a decision on um, how are we going to continue to live our lives while living with this virus? Because that's, that's, that has to be at the end of the day. We're not eliminating this virus. It's not going to go away. There's too many people in the world for this to just stop happening. You know, unless there's full entire world shut down, we do everything. That's not going to happen though. 8 billion people. They're not listening. So it seems like this, this, and, and kind of it's people compare this to the flu. And now I don't, I don't like to say that it's too easy, like kind of too loosely because um, there's still a lot more that we don't know about this virus than that we don't do about the flu. Um, but the kind of the symptoms are very similar and um, in that to most people at least, and that there's <clears throat> the effect is, quite similar as well in that if you're older, if you have poor health or you have health conditions, then you're pretty at risk. Um, but it's kind of this, this approach takes a more realistic turn in that there's, you, it's letting, it's, it says like, um, those who are not vulnerable should immediately be allowed to resume life as normal. Simple hygiene measures such as hand washing and staying home when sick should be practiced by everyone to reduce the herd immunity threshold. Schools and universities should open for in-person teaching. Extracurricular activities such as sports should be resumed. Um, and it just keeps going on like arts, music, and sport culture or other cultural activities should resume. So it's saying that like life shouldn't stop. 
which looking back, I totally agree. I think when we went on lockdown at first, it made sense. And then when it got extended, it got kind of annoying. And then it turned out to be two months long of full lockdown. And it's kind of still in place, but there's been phases in some places in the country. And I know um, other places they have, they've done nothing to change and they've kind of just stayed with their um, strict um, measures. But this seems, this seems pretty reasonable. I don't know what you think. I could send this to you if you like if, uh, to see what you think about it. Um, but basically, I mean, it's, it's saying like life needs to go on for the mental health reasons, for physical health reasons, and for the, the communities and for the world. I mean, we need progress. And being at home kind of like we make do, yes, but that's given because we have resources to make do. But a lot of people don't be it they don't have a computer, they don't have any form of technology, they need to be given that or they, there's no way they can't even uh, receive that. And so that's, what are those people gonna do? You know, they can't, they can't work from home. They can't, um, and they can't put themselves, they can't just um, kind of flagrantly go out and about knowing that maybe they have a parent or a grandparent at home that is very sick. So that's a very tough situation there, but this seems like it's, it's addressing all the issues. It's saying like, Oh, what about these people? What about these people? You know, what about everyone that has <clears throat> their hat? There are questions answered. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I mean, I think I agree with her. Or it's not. It's a. It's a bunch of. Uh, it's a bunch of people who worked on this paper, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. like three main, I, and then it's co-signed by a ton of people. Yeah, I think I agree with them that life needs to go on, because the way that the world works, we need it to to run like it always runs. Mm-hmm. Um. Otherwise, like dramatic changes, like like what's happening right now, like people can't live like this. You know, people need yeah, money. Absolutely. Um. Like the fact that, like, okay, like, like people rely on things, like you know, like if you go to like a, I don't know, like if you go to, say, you go to like a bakery and you buy like bread from them and then the people that like i don't know if the bakery either like makes their own bread or if they buy it from someone else but it's like like the people depend on our money too not just the people who were giving it to like people after that so like i feel like this has also an effect on like systems of things mm-hmm. and like yeah it'd be pretty depressing if if we were told to stay inside and, you know, I just feel like people would not be able to live with the fact that like something's controlling them or something's telling them what to do. Like, yeah. And that's what we've seen. Don't want to listen to that. And, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the world has changed. Like, I mean, there's no going back and, I mean, finding a vaccine is a big part of whether or not we'll be able to go back to like normal life. 
but even it's 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 not going to be normal. Nothing's going to be normal no, ever yeah, again. Yeah. Normal is like, new now. That's that's kind of what we've come to yeah. accept. Like, there's going to be a new normal, and whatever that is, is how we're going to live. Uh-huh. And, but and actually, this addresses. Well, keep going. Actually, I don't want to stop. Oh no! Was, yeah, no. Go ahead. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> well, yeah. what it actually talking about? Um, <clears throat> you know the this whole the vaccine situation and it's like vaccines will work if immunity builds and it is building. And so if, if um, as immunity is, it actually addresses this in the declaration as well. It says as immunity builds in the population, the risk of infection to all, including the vulnerable falls. So, and we know that all populations eventually reach herd immunity i.e. the point at which the rate of new infections is stable and that this can be assisted by, but is not dependent upon a vaccine. So kind of sitting around and just waiting um, for a vaccine is not going to work. And like you said, also um, people don't like the fact or the idea of a looming figure or a a power that is not letting not letting them live their life. I mean, we saw it. We saw it during these lockdowns in the beginning of the spring or during the spring and the summer. No, like not no one. A lot of people were not following it. You saw in Florida. I mean, people were just going to the beach and mm-hmm. drinking together. And you see it in, in parts of the in parts of the country there where there were protests going on during peak times. And it kind of um and obviously there are certain measures that were taken in those situations, but other stuff like anti just simply the fact that people were anti lockdown they would go on these on these protests and like not wear masks and not socially distant and all this stuff and that kind of increased the spread and then like with rallies and all this other stuff so that didn't help the situation but um it seems like this approach is the most reasonable it seems like it it checks all the boxes and it seems like and like you said we can't go back you can't. There's no way that what knowing what we know now, it's it's when anything happens in a person's life, it changes them in the future. You find out something, you, you're told some information, and now you use that to progress as a person. So all we can do is move forward. And I think, I mean, no, this is obviously I, I've I haven't like done enough personal research. I'm not also the person to do that kind of research to to look into like what's the next steps we need to take but this this uh declaration and the measures taken in this declaration definitely seem like the best foot forward the best step forward and that we can we can then like you said we need like you, you give the example of the baker there's a the circulation of money is how that kind of continues to keep people moving forward and because money isn't a material possession I mean, it is like there is money, but money is, is spent and received and it's constantly coming and going. And that needs to happen via person-to-person interactions. It needs to be with business interactions um, in all forms. And by keeping the um, these people who need to work and, and like we've seen, well, keeping these people work locked down first is that they've, they've, um, <clears throat> some people have been losing motivation to work because these, these stimulus checks are paying them more than they would have been making working, which is like wild to think about. I mean, there was a good percentage of people that were just 
have lost motivation to go back to work because it's like, no, I'll just keep taking these stimulus checks, which is totally reasonable. I mean, why work when you can just get paid to stay home? Makes sense. Mm -hmm. But why not work when that's how you, that's how you sustain it kind of, it's like, why not partake in society basically is what it is. I mean, when you, um, there was a lot of, I think we've like, I've seen in, um, I think it was, uh, with, uh, school, the school, uh, unions, uh, school teachers unions, they were saying that they didn't want to go back to classes. And it's like that, like, now I don't know enough about their situations, but it seems like that is seemingly selfish and that there is, um, you know, you're teaching these kids for the future. They're not going to fight like fifth graders down, even like middle school kids going and down to like kindergarten all the way, even pre-K kids, they have to learn online. They're not learning jack shit. They're <laughs> not experiencing what it is that is like forming thought. And that, um, and that right there is like, is a shame. It's a shame that people now have, have re- kind of referred to this stimulus check as their, as their best point of, um, of, of making money and having some way of, of having an influx of cash, but it's not, <clears throat> that doesn't help anyone. I mean, it helps them personally, but then it doesn't help the, the actual system of, and the economy. It doesn't help, um, these business owners who are, who are trying to run a business, be it, you know, like a baker or something is uh, very basic like that. They need people to come in and buy stuff. They need, they need also um, uh, their resources to come in. So, and they need money to be able to pay for those resources and they need to, be able to pay for the, the, the land that they're on and, and all that stuff. So it's um, I think, like you said, we can't go back. This is the new normal. We ex- and I accept that. I think we've lived long enough in this situation and we, we know a good amount enough now that we kind of know um, <clears throat> what, is, what is totally reasonable and, and what's not, what's really stupid to do. Um, and I think it shouldn't be as politicized too. I think it's, it's, it's a social thing. It's, per- it's, a, it's a thought. It's not... It's not like, no, we need policy now on how to mandate people to social distance or how to make sure that they're always washing their hands after they do something or how to make sure that they're always wearing masks. It's like, nah, relax. If you give them something normal, reasonable, that is functional and letting them still live their lives in a way that is free and enjoyable, then they're going to do it. So I don't know. That seems... That's my take. <laughs> um, I just hope we figure it out. That's the biggest thing. Um, I hope. My my biggest concern is the is in a year from now, where we are a year from now. If we're not, if I'm not on Amherst campus taking classes, playing soccer, being with the lads, everyone else being with everyone and enjoying themselves, and everyone's back on campus and businesses are back open. Um, cities are, you know, fully functional again, traffic is going, every life is back to normal. That's if it's not like that, there's definitely a mistake having, there's definitely going to be a mistake being made in this process. Um, 
I, I just hope we're back. I hope we're back together. <laughs> That's my biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, Sam. I think a big thing, too, um, kind of redirecting this conversation, because I hate talking. I mean, I, I like talking about it because it's talking about the future and talking about something that we haven't really have to dealt with in our lives, which is like a public health crisis. Um, so that's always, it's an interesting, but a good tangent or a good redirection of this is like sports. And we've seen in sports is like the fact that they've been able to, to continue seasons in, in their respective sports and continue to play with like either no fans or a limited amount of fans or a certain like section of fans coming, um, has been awesome. It's like, that's a big source of, of, uh, stress relief for a ton of people so that's been and like and now we're seeing with the champions league the premier league the europa league the uh all these other leagues in in europe in south america in asia in africa and i miss one in in the north america as well obviously like with football coming back baseball coming back hockey came back um basketball as well and that was that's been awesome now i just hope we can start going to games you know seeing them players especially for you you're in you're in your team's city and you haven't been able to go yeah. to the game yet yeah no it's i mean i could go to a europa league game at home but i would need to get tickets for it and be lucky to because it's 15 percent capacity so it's like it might already just be impossible to get a ticket there but they played Dundalk, Herman's team. Yeah, Herman's team. Yeah, so Herman will be there. And it would be cool if I get to go and see his team play and then potentially talk to him after the game mm-hmm. before he leaves. So. Yeah, I think they're in a bubble. So you'd Yeah, have I think to, they probably are in a bubble. So You'd have to see I'd him like to, during the game. I would just have to call him. <laughs> call him in the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, that's crazy. He's gonna be like, um, like he's gonna be watching his team play like, Aubameyang and Pepe and William, David and Luiz, lads, Burn Leno, and David Luiz. They're gonna see how good Burn Leno is. <laughs> watch him, watch him score like three goals against Arsenal. Dude, that Dundas that's entirely possible. Dundalk could pull something out. I mean, they're in the Europa League. That's impressive. Dude, uh, like, dude, we had troubles against Rapid Wien today. I know, Rapid Wien. The Wi-Fi, Austrian yeah. Wi-Fi password. <laughs> Austrian Wi-Fi password. <laughs> I just watched the highlights. It was – I was not expecting it to be as back and forth. First off, Rapid Wien was all over you guys in the first half. That was – They were, bro. I'm telling you. That was not like, a good showing. Lucky. We had to bring on – uh, we had to bring on Aubameyang to yeah. seal the deal. Obama blood clot. Obama blood clot, yeah. Yeah, yeah he um, – well, not he, but I guess the team. That was – I don't know. I guess going back to, like, the virus and everything, the effect on the, on sports is, like, games are so much more up in the air now. Like, if you're there's, – there's a lot of games, like, for example – in the Europa League where 
there's a very high chance that a team that is not is on paper significantly worse than their opposition can still pull up pull out a, a, a great score a great game put, put on a great uh, showing and that's been that's been really odd I mean we've seen it in the Premier League uh, with the most ridiculous like there's so many goals being scored um, there's I think there's been like seven five maybe or seven shutouts total on one team there's not been a one zero game yet um, we've seen we've seen a lot of goals being scored we're seeing we're seeing a lot of um a lot of teams like Aston Villa, obviously I hate talking about it, but they pulled out a seven two game and that was that looked really different, not only because obviously Liverpool aren't the recent champions and they're they're probably one of the better best teams in the world, but also Aston Villa looked really good. They they were working in a system that was like perfect. It broke Liverpool down. And that was something that if they had if it was obviously that was at uh, Villa Park, but stuff like that, where if if those fans were there, and because I mean it was, I think it was two to one. So like that game could have totally changed. It could have been a totally different score. Obviously, we have no idea because it's not the situation. But like there's games like that where those scores. When West Ham was pulling out like three zero against Wolves, um, and there's a couple other games where they were beating some good teams. And they've been playing well, and like, that's not that's not entirely. Um, well, I no, it is entirely like a different a different scope of the game because there's no fans. I think at least I think that's so, so had such an impact on these the scores of the games and the way these games are played. Um, momentum is is like Amherst momentum. We build on ourselves. It was, it was like the boys keep the boys going. It wasn't about the fans. You're not when you score. It was like you hear the bench and your teammates on the field celebrating. That was it, and a couple guys up in the up in the stands. But that was it. It was it was like your yeah. mom and dad cheering you on at Amherst kind of thing. Yeah. So that's been that's been really interesting to see. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, what was I gonna? Were you gonna say something? Yeah, I was gonna say something. I was gonna ask you something, but I kind of forgot. Mm-hmm. Was it regards to sports um, or what? Yeah, who do who do? Oh, Liverpool played. Ajax. Sheffield United. They play. That's for their next game. Yeah, they just played oh. Ajax, and that was a they, that was a, yeah. That was a pretty that was good a game. Tight little game. Yeah. Yeah. They both played well. And uh, at first, Liverpool didn't start off. I didn't watch the game. I haven't been able to watch any games. I've watched, like, the most I've watched was 45 minutes of, of – and it was the only game – it was the only 45 minutes I've watched, and it was um, Aston Villa and Liverpool. So that was the worst game oh, I could have watched. Sad. It was 4-1 and a half, so that was heinous. Um, it sucked, but um, but I think. Well, I guess if we're going to talk about Liverpool, Liverpool are in a weird spot right now because I think it's like all. I think there's been eleven players injured. I think there's an entire starting eleven that has been injured, um, and obviously Virgil Van Dyke's out for the season, which fucking sucks. 
Um, we've seen Tiago is injured right now again after having recently signed, and obviously he's played a couple games, and he's been really good for us. I think he's, I think he'll come back. He'll be good. I'm really excited for that. But um, they've still been able. The fact that they've been able to perform, like they performed against Ajax, which is a very, they're a very solid team. Um, and they, they, I mean, obviously it was only one zero, and the goal that was scored was an own goal, and it was pretty fluky. But there were obviously very good chances. The game could have gone out of the way. I think this Sheffield game is going to be a big point because Sheffield have not been playing well. Um, I think they've scored one goal in their past five games or whatever. I think it's four or five games they've played, which is really bad. I think David McGoldrick has their only goal. Um, so I think That's poor. it's terrible. I think that was against us. Maybe. I think that was against Arsenal too. Because we yeah. lost to Sheffield. Or no, we beat Sheffield too. No, you beat, yeah. Well, then I think they've, they've scored two goals. They tied one one. They tied to Leeds, so they have two goals oh. <laughs> in their in their five games. It's terrible, and um, wow. yeah, it's been it's been poor from them. But I think so. That'll be a big, big thing because obviously Liverpool are coming off a couple, couple tight games. Um, they've played with obviously with Everton. That was a wild game, and then the Ajax now was tight. So they they got to turn around in a way that shows that they're still the top squad. Um, obviously, you, you probably have your opinion that is different from mine as you're not a fan of Liverpool, but I bet I bet you appreciate how good they are. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's, yeah, I don't know. I think Sheffield's not good, so that'll be big. Um, who do Arsenal play next? Um... I believe we play um, – I believe it's Leicester. We play Leicester on Sunday. Leicester City on Sunday. Okay. We play Leicester EE. Leicester. Yeah, that'll be – they've been meh. Like, they beat City. But they lost to – to West they just Ham. had like highs and lows. Yeah, they lost to West. They lost to West Ham three zero. Mhm. So that'll be that'll be interesting. West Ham's on a on a tear. I mean, they just lost yeah, yeah. to to Tottenham. But... Yeah, they're on a different they're on a different level right now. West Ham. Mm-hmm. That Lanzini goal was ridiculous. Was oh, they incredible. tied. They tied Spurs. That's what it was. I remember I was watching actually a bit That's of that. It was also shocking for Spurs, though. It was terrible. That was I, no one's talked. We haven't really talked about that. Yeah, that was terrible. That was a shocking. Yeah, like it was three zero, and I think it was three zero until the like eightieth minute, sixty seventh minute, or something like that, and then, um, and then it just started to fall apart. I was watching. The f- I watched the first half, a bit of the first half at least. I saw it was 3-0, and it was like early on. I think it was like the 15th minute, and it was 3-0 or something like that, or 25th minute or something. And then I was like, all right, whatever, they're going to win. And something I've realized is that that's never, ever been true. I've never gone in, start watched the game or something, any sport, and seen a team have a, a big lead and then turned it off and then have that – idea of them winning happen it's i think i mean it has happened a couple times 
but for the most part, I've seen a lot of comebacks when I'm not when I turn off games, and that's happened with Spurs especially. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, and I, and I saw like the the interviews. It was, and I even saw like Gareth Bale had a good chance to make it four zero. So like, or maybe not four zero, mm-hmm. but like you score a fourth goal and just seal the game. So they had. They, it's not like they just it stopped entirely. It's not like they just fell apart. And it was it was a slow, just brick by brick, taking apart of um, of Spurs defense and Spurs just ability to hold a lead at any at any point. Um, I think the I I can't remember the first goal exactly, but then the second goal was the Davinson Sanchez header own goal, which definitely stung. And then from then on, it was just West Ham. All, all gas, no breaks, trying to get a last goal. And then that Lanzini shot was just ridiculous. That was the corner of the corner. One, like, one touch shot outside of the foot. No chance Lloris was saving that. Yeah, that was nuts. Um, like, it, like, pinged off, like, the crossbar of the post. Yeah, it was beautiful. So sexy. I can imagine that you love that, It too. was like your dream, like – Top bins, like <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't like he hit it very hard, you know. He hit that, he hit that just perfectly where it didn't need to. It was like if he had placed it, but he didn't obviously play, he laced it. But you know, it wasn't just a pure power shot, it was also a very accurate shot. Yeah, you must have enjoyed no, he, that. I did enjoy it. I was watching it live with um, with Bernie and Bucky and. And um, I just was laughing because I was thinking about Kofi. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just at the Spurs Stadium the other day. Oh, yeah. So How is that? funny to see. Is it a nice stadium? Huh? Is that a nice stadium? Yeah, it's a nice stadium. But, like, I just – I mean, I'm not really a fan of it. Really? Yeah, because I'm just not a Tottenham fan. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, I've been – I've only been to – um, one England stadium and it was actually Emirates and that was like for me similar in that it's like yeah I'm not a fan but I still appreciated the stadium I appreciated the there was still like a Englishness to it it wasn't posh I mean it's it's nice don't get me wrong but there was more of a I don't know it just felt like true it felt like real when you're inside and um but yeah i totally agree with i definitely see your perspective on that like yeah it's definitely hard to enjoy a stadium that you're not a fan of especially when it's your rival your city rival um the north london derby so um yeah man i mean i don't know i think hopefully hopefully you can go to a game i don't know Fifteen percent capacity—that's not a lot of play. That's not a lot of people. So no, it's not a lot of people, and I just hope that like I get something somehow. Or... Mm-hmm. Have you seen the like ticket sales or anything? Has that come up yet? I don't know when the game is, but um, um, anything? You know, I think I think I need to be a member, and I would have to ask my dad or anyone who's a season ticket holder. 
Because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the season ticket holders will get priority to the. That makes game. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, fans are starting to go back to games. So. Yeah, I remember listening that's to like exciting. the. Oh yeah, that's totally exciting. That's when it's been. Like I think in the Bundesliga, they've been doing it. They've been getting a lot more fans. Um, you hear like the whistling. That's the biggest thing. You hear some chanting, yeah. but you can't hear much. But a big thing, because they can make it the most noise, is the whistling. <laughs> and they're just bothering the uh, the players while they're doing it or whatever. Or like if a ref makes a bad call or something, that's always been pretty funny. The mocking. Um, yeah, I hope I hope you get the chance to go. I mean, I hope that's a that's one like a big step in this process of, you know, adjusting is letting is kind of continually, continuously getting more and more people back into stadiums. Um, Cause I miss that, man. I miss hearing the roar of Anfield of, um, of all these other premier league teams, uh, just hearing them singing. Even obviously I don't go to games, but like used to, you can hear it. <laughs> and there's a, there's a certain like vibe that is lacking when there's no fans. Um, you can, for example, you can hear like every single kick of the ball um, and you hear everything on the field. And obviously that's cool and that's totally interesting, but I think the, the standard has always been having fans there, having the singing, having the noise making um, and that rowdiness to it. Um, that's totally a, a huge factor psychologically with the players too. I think that definitely helps like sway an opposition one way or the other. Um, but I also love the fact that it's been a goal fest. I love that certain players have been doing so well. I think that's been awesome to watch. I mean, it's probably the mo- this is the most from what I've like followed is like the most entertaining Premier League start we've seen in the history. Um, and I think statistically it is too. I think they've had like the most goals, uh, least amount of games without a goal and all this stuff. So, um, and we've seen like, obviously with Leeds United doing really well, that's been really fun to watch. Um, and um, I can't remember the top of my head, but I think there's a couple other, I guess not lower tier teams, but in the sense of when it comes, when you had like a, a perspective on the top six, these, there's a lot of teams that aren't ideally in the top six that have been in the top six that are um, giving, putting a lot of pressure on these uh, top clubs. And that's parody is always fun. I think that that makes it unpredictable. I don't know if it would go away with fans, Maybe it'd be heightened now once they figured it out or something. But it's weird, dude. It's uh, it's totally been weird to see. And um, I don't know what happens next, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. But uh, I do agree with you. The atmosphere at a Premier League game is second to none. Mm-hmm. And it's a completely different vibe that I think even even if you've never really liked soccer, I think if you were 
if you had the chance to go to a Premier League soccer game, you would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You and, pr- um, I also just think soccer is such a beautiful sport. Not just like like the actual gameplay and like the way it's played, but like it like I like it connects it connects the world, you know. Like yeah. it, it's in its in a sense it's it's a it's a language. Because you can take a soccer ball and put it at someone's feet and they know what to do. And you can do this anywhere around the world. And I'm sure you can do the same with basketball. And I'm not sure with an American football if you can do that. But um, like soccer, everyone knows soccer. And uh-huh. like, like the World Cup is the biggest event. And like, I don't know. I think that the game is beautiful and that I love, I just love how it brings people together because, like, when I was younger, like, I don't know, it just made me so happy to see, like, see Arsenal play on TV and then, like, supporting, like, England, like, in the World Cup, in the 06 World Cup, and then seeing, like, Zidane had, but, like, whoever that guy was. Matarazzi. And, yeah. And, um, I don't know, like, it's just, like, it's just so unique. And also, um, I did, like, a project a long time ago where I brought, like, a bunch of soccer equipment to Zimbabwe. And it was pretty cool because it's, like, when you, like... It was like a it was a service project, right? So I like had like had to plan this maybe like six seven months before I actually had to do it, uh-huh. and I had to get all this soccer gear and do all these things beforehand. But when I got there and when like you know when you put the ball down and, you, and you, when I was giving these kids like their bibs and. Like I was that like they could pick from what shoes they would like to wear that day. Like there were just so many shoes, they could pick like if they wanted like F50s or like Mercurials. Like you know they they had the ability to do that from and like <laughs> before like they didn't even like they probably didn't even know what like the Mercurials were. They just never even like had the chance to buy a proper soccer cleat. Yeah, but I mean when they saw them, whatever condition they were in, they loved them. And Uh we just played and I taught them stuff and they taught me things and I learned a lot about the school and about the soccer team there. And Hmm. it's just like, you you have the ability to do that with soccer. Like you can put a smile on anybody's face. That's totally true. Just by putting a ball down and passing to them and, and getting to know them. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's cool how this sport just you know it's it's global and 
that it's it's more than just it, it, it's more than just sport. Yeah. No, I to- I totally agree with you. I think first off that like the fact that it's a universal language is totally true. I mean, it rings true throughout the world. Like you said, you can give the ball to anyone and they'll know exactly what to do. It's been so much. It's uh, it's something that regardless of where you're from, uh, your any sort of identity you have, your um, anyone as long as you have two legs, two feet, you can play the sport. And that's something that is a beautiful thing. You can um, you can learn the sport. It's a relatively simple sport. Obviously, it can become very complex, but um, in its basic form, when you're just trying to play with some some, you put together some people. You get two goals. You build them. You put like two shoes down on the ground, or if, I guess two shoes on each side, and you get a ball and you just play. You know, and I think that's like you said, it brings together. Um, people in a way that we haven't seen uh in much other ways i mean you can like there's there hasn't been anything as uh easy to communicate in as soccer i mean it has been able you can literally like you said you just pass the ball to someone and they'll know like this is (laughs) what we're gonna do i'm gonna kick the ball to you i'm gonna pass the ball i'm gonna dribble i'm gonna shoot i'm trying to score whatever it is you're trying to accomplish something there you're playing a sport um and i totally agree with that but also i'd like to add that it's a really awesome thing about the sport is that it uh it trends it's something that transcends throughout other sports i mean the the idea of you know trying to score a goal uh trying to maintain possession of a ball of a of whatever substance it is um, you know, there's, it's a team sport. There's uh, tactics to it. There's a lot of um, uh, systems. There's different types of systems of play. There's different styles of play. There's different types of players. There's, um, there's different positions. There's, it's stuff that it, it kind of exists throughout uh, all of these other sports, at least all of the team sports, um, in a way that uh, is awesome. It's beautiful. I mean, it's something it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, I totally agree. I think it's an, it's a beautiful sport and it's something like you said, the world cup is, a is one of the biggest, um, sports tournaments in the world. I mean, it's, it's the world cup, you know, you've got to get first off, you got to get there. And once you're in there, it's like every continent at least has at least one, one team, uh, participating. Um, and that's awesome. I think it's so much fun. I think, and there's um, kind of like your story about um, kind of being able to just give a ball to kids from Zimbabwe and being able to play. I had the same same experience in, in Argentina when uh, we were in Boca, and I had this. I did this trip over the over a summer, and I uh, we were walking around, and I think we we passed like a little court area. That it was, it was, it looked like it'd be usually a basketball court, but it had, it had like a, two frames on each end, um, under the under the hoops, and the hoops were like unused at all because they they only really play soccer, and um, we just kind of put together like a five aside team, and just played for like an hour, and it was so much fun, and it like, I was the only one there who obviously was of on our of the Americans that had like the first language. Uh, Spanish and and even then like we really didn't have to say much <laughs> like they 
they didn't know very much English. They were young kids. They were pretty much the same age as us. And we just kind of said, like, do you want to play? And it was, we just got it going. And it was so much fun. Um, and the, and that's something that, like, the competitive spirit, but still their sportsmanship, you know, that you can hate someone during the game. You can, they can foul you. You can, they can score a goal. They can meg you. You're angry. But then once the game ends, you shake their hand, life goes on, and then you're, you're friends again. Um, and that's a, that's a language that can't be – it's something that doesn't need to be taught. It's something that is just learned through experience, through um, just playing. And it's like a physical existence versus having to, you know, cognitively put yourself – exert yourself to understand something. I don't know how to, it's kind of a difficult concept to explain relative to like language. I mean, when you think of like, there's no universal verbal language in the world. You know, uh, you see in a lot of schools now, English is being, English is taught as it's, it's like whatever the main language is in the countries and then English is taught as well. Um, that's a, a very common thing. But even then, there's a lot of countries that don't do that. There's a lot of schools that don't do that. Um, just, there's no need to maybe, or maybe they learn maybe Spanish and French or some other, there are two combinations of language. So there's always a bit of, of there's like a missing link in that sense. Um, and we can't force everyone to learn one language, but you can just give someone a soccer ball. <laughs> they'll know what to do. Um, and that's beautiful. That's absolutely awesome. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy that we, we jumped to that. I think, I think that's a, it's a good end point. Um, man, I'm, I'm happy we had to do this. Um, thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah, Nico, thanks for having me. Yeah. I know it's getting it's late. Been a pleasure. There. It's like, it's like five. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's four now. Or four, four. Yeah. 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 I should tired. be gone now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty tired now. Yeah, but um, no. Thanks for doing this with me, and uh, wish you the best over there in Wyoming. Yeah, you too. Uh, good luck with school, with um, your soccer stuff, and hopefully, you get the chance. Well, hopefully, I get to see you before you go. If you do go to Scotland, or maybe if you're home, hopefully, I get to yeah. see you guys. That would be so awesome. I miss you guys a lot. I miss you a lot, and um, yeah, I hope you're well. So. Take it easy, man. Thank you, Nico.